0: Hello and welcome to Sound of Play 99. That's right, tonight we're going to party like at Sound of Play 99. (laughs) We are coming right up on our 100th Sound of Play. We've got a special next week featuring all sorts of people from Sound of Play's past and um, present and yet to come. I think it it goes. Uh, But right now, since this is kind of our last Sound of Play before our big 100 blowout show... (laughs) Uh, I wanted to uh, open with that familiar theme song that you might remember if you've been with us for a very, very long time now, over a probably year and a half ago when we started this thing. That was our uh, theme song that we played for the first few, probably 20 or so episodes. I originally made that um, by Leon's request. I, I pieced it together with a whole bunch of video game music and I thought, you know, what better way to... Kind of conclude the first 100 shows of Sound of Play than to dissect our old theme song and go through all of the songs featured in there. Uh, Back when Sound of Play was new and we were still using the theme song, we posted a thread over in the Canaan Rinse forum. That is slash forum, Canaan Rinse being the name of our main primary podcast. (laughs) Uh, And in this thread, we challenged the community to uh, see if they could recognize all of the tracks featured in that theme song. And so the challenge is open again. Can you recognize all of the tracks in there? You're about to get the answer. So if you want to play along, uh, feel free to restart the episode or (laughs) just uh, just do your best from memory. And let's see how we did. That first song, of course, you'll recognize those opening few notes as being the opening few notes of the main title theme from Banjo-Kazooie, composed by Grant Kirkhope. Uh, this is one of my all-time favorite games. I think it was my favorite game until Bloodborne came around. The uh, The Grant Kirkhope score is a legendary. It's been featured numerous times <laughs> on this podcast already. And yeah, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, I like to do these kind of like musical mashups and mixes and stuff. I have kind of a long-running musical experiment. I've done four iterations of it to this point, and it's basically taking like popular recognizable songs, and snipping them down to their shortest recognizable segment, and then kind of pasting all of those back to back, kind of anchoring it with some sort of logic in that the beginning of a new clip must begin with the word that the old clip would have ended with it is replacing the last word of the sentence of the previous clip so you're always kind of mentally completing the phrase in your mind and being kicked into a new phrase before your brain is ready to make that adjustment and so you know if the clips are fast enough and if you're recognizing all of them it's really kind of a magical experience of riding that wave of constant recognition and constantly being one step behind your own mind. And um, it's really cool. I'll uh, link it in the show notes. We were getting off topic. What I meant to say in that is in these musical experiments, in these mashups that I like to do, it's always hard to pick the song that comes at the beginning because, you know, Throughout the rest of the song, throughout the rest of the mix, you're always kind of leaning into, you know, what does the previous song make you think of, or what is the note that it leaves off on, or what is the word that it leaves off on, and and where does that take you? Um, But at the beginning of the song, you have to pick something with a really immediately recognizable opening note, and that's uh, that's not always easy to do, but Banjo-Kazooie, I think definitely fits that bill pretty well. Uh, This song is performed, it's an in-game cutscene that plays every time you boot up the N64 with this this game inside, and it's this delightful scene of all of the characters playing different instruments and performing just like uh, like the theme song to a TV show. (laughs) It gets to be a pretty grand musical number until pretty much all the characters are playing their different instruments, they're tripping over each other, they're causing all sorts of chaos. And, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a really pleasant way to open the game. And it's a really kind of intentional statement of, uh, and kind of a technological showcase as well. Might not look that way today, but back then, like it was, it was pretty impressive to see this level of, uh, kind of musical coordination, with the with the game and the the animation of the characters and them playing the instruments and um you know in this kind of lush tropical scene it's it's quite a lot of fun so anyways let's listen to the main title theme from Banjo Kazooie. Uh-huh. Next, I borrow a couple of notes, very recognizable again, uh, thanks to that uh, distinctive NES sound from Super Mario Bros. This one, I do not know whether it sounds the same or different on the Famicom version. I know that the uh, Legend of Zelda soundtrack, I was surprised to learn, is uh, very different uh, on the Famicom soundtrack. The composition is the same, but the, uh, the sound, the instruments used is very different on the Famicom because that was a a disc-based system and they were able to pack in a few more high-quality instruments into those mixes. Um, I've always preferred the American NES (laughs) sound, that kind of distinctive very computerized chip y sound. Um, I, I think just because of the artificiality of it and the distinctiveness of that sound, but it could just be that's the version that I grew up with as an American and it's what I'm more familiar with. But, uh, you know, maybe I'll have this debate sometimes with an actual uh, Japanese individual and let's see if if it is just familiarity or whether one really does have a more interesting sound than the other. I guess it's all subjective anyway, so it doesn't actually matter. <laughs> Uh, but really, what needs to be said about the 1-1 theme from Super Mario Bros., it's probably one of the most famous pieces of music in all of video games, and it's a wonderful, deceptively jazzy tune hidden underneath this uh, very digital sound, And so you wouldn't really pick the jazziness out of it, but it does have a certain swing to it, and you can hear it a lot when this song is uh, reorchestrated and remixed in later Mario games. This tune was composed by the legendary Koji Kondo, uh, and, you know, this might be his most famous song, (laughs) his most recognizable work, composed all the way back in 1985, but it's a a real doozy. I like it, and uh, I included it in the mix, so let's listen to the 1-1 theme from Super Mario Bros. (laughs) different sounding song you'll remember from the mix. This was actually my starting point of the mix when I was originally creating it, because I really liked the way that this song flowed into the next song. But as I was saying earlier, it's really hard to choose a beginning of the mix. And so I didn't feel like this one was a good beginning. It was a little bit too sudden a to start, especially for a podcast theme song where, you know, somebody might be listening to this in their headphones. Then all of a sudden the, the shadow of the Colossus <laughs> battle theme blasts out at them. And you know, that's, that's no fun. Uh, and so I, I, I built the previous two tracks, the Banjo Kazooie theme and the super Mario Bros. one, one theme uh, into the mix kind of post hoc. And um, the, the, transition from the Super Mario Bros. theme to the Shadow of the Colossus song isn't super smooth. That's one thing I kind of regret about the mix. Um, The Shadow of the Colossus song does, uh, I should stop calling it that, it is revived power battle theme, which has also been featured on Sound of Play in the past. Revived power does begin with the note that would have played if the Super Mario Bros. song wasn't cut off. So it does have a musical link but um, I I think the just the extent to which the instruments are are different and the fact that the note picks up after a rest in the previous song which kind of separates the phrases even further it, it doesn't really drive that connection home and so to listen to it this sounds kind of like a restart or a reset of the mix and it could have just as easily started here but regardless it uh it gets us to where we need to be so i didn't want to bake you know 16 more intermediary tracks to get the transition just right so sometimes you just have to go for the the hard lane change <laughs> uh, but anyways this is probably the standout track for um for my memory from the shadow of the colossus and Actually, uh, I am recording this just a couple of days after Sony's press conference at E3, in which they showed off the brand new Shadow of the Colossus remake, and I was uh, <laughs> I was delighted to hear this song and kind of sung by uh, a, a choir at the end of that trailer. Um, just a little little inkling of this tune, this this leitmotif. Um, this song is reused by multiple Colossus battles throughout the game. Not all of them, uh, but I, I, think at least two or three. And it's always reminded me a lot of, uh, of like a Studio Ghibli song for some reason. I can't even really point to which Studio Ghibli piece it makes me think of or which movie it would fit into, but I don't know, for some reason, it's always really like come across as, uh, belonging to that studio which of course it doesn't, but I don't know. There's something, something about that. I'll have to investigate a little bit more. I really like this song. It's very heroic, very triumphant. Uh, I like that it kind of saves the best part for an alternating A-B section. Uh, it saves it for the B section. And so it kind of makes you wait for it and want it before it swoops in with this amazing majestic theme and the way that plays out in the game is that the majestic part of the song takes place when you're on the back of the eagle or whatever it is when you're on the colossus uh you know really kind of fighting for your life at that point um but uh, to listen to on its own i think it works equally as well and it remains a favorite of mine from from that particular game so this is revived power battle theme composed by Kawatani from shadow of the colossus said before, I don't like to brag, but the transition from that shadow of the Colossus theme into the next song, mm, just beautiful. I could listen to that all day. (laughs) Oh, those orchestral sounds just like really meshed together. And you'd almost believe that you were just listening to a continuation of the same song. If you didn't know both pieces, I I just, I was really (laughs) happy with the way that turned out. I hope that this song is also recognizable. You know, I wanted to get a really nice mix of all sorts of different types of video games and, you know, old games, new games, industry games, indie games, just everything that I could possibly jam in there in these, these nine little musical snippets that would be recognizable and also kind of communicate the entire breadth of video game music. And, uh, you know, this one and the previous one were... And a beloved ps2 hits but <laughs> but i think this does represent a very different ethos of video game and, and possibly appeal to a very different audience than any of the previous games uh, this is the heroic metal gear solid main theme reprise composed by harry Gregson williams from metal gear solid 3 snake eater on the playstation 2 and i just really love this little short song plays near the end of uh, of Snake Eater, just for how triumphant, how bombastic, not bombastic in that way, but yeah, you'll get what I mean when you hear it. It starts off really kind of like slow and, and it builds really nicely. It repeats that main theme at least three times. And each time it adds more instruments until it's just impossible to not do that like solid snake not Solid Snake, sorry, that would be Big Boss, getting my Metal Gears mixed up, that Big Boss stand and salute at the end because, oh, it just fills you with that, with that uh, patriotic spirit or <laughs> mourning for our fallen comrades and, and whatnot, the, the honor of the men at war and women at war in this case. So I invite you to be equally entertained and inspired by Metal Gear Solid main theme reprise on Metal Gear Solid 3. transitions into a rendition of the Legend of Zelda theme. This actually comes from the Legend of Zelda suite that is performed by the London Philharmonic Orchestra for the greatest video game music CD that they put out a few years back. You know, these things are a little hokey, but it's, it's fine. They're great orchestrations of a lot of favorite video game music. They're nice listens. I always like my big orchestra pieces when I can get them. Uh, This entire suite, this uh, medley of Legend of Zelda music is composed by Koji Kondo, and the piece that I selected is the main theme of the series, that kind of Hyrule overworld song that originated in the original Legend of Zelda. You can hear a lot more of Zelda music in Sound of Play 50. It was a while back now. Both uh, myself and Andrew Brown went through an extensive musical history of that entire series, uh, not including Breath of the Wild because it was not even close to being ready by that point in time, uh, which is unfortunate. We might have to do an addendum episode when a couple more Zeldas come out. Uh, But regardless, uh, this should be a recognizable theme. There's nothing more that really needs to be said about the Legend of Zelda theme. So let's listen to Legend of Zelda Suite by the London Philharmonic Orchestra. Next transition, instead of being like a note matching thing, it more kind of matches the timber of, of the beat. You know, the Legend of Zelda theme had these kind of quadruplet beats that would play in the background of the main theme, you know, the bum, bum, ba 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 bum, da 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 da-da-da-dun, and I, I felt that that was a nice match for the Truth and Reconciliation suite composed by Martin O'Donnell for Halo as it has a very similar kind of quadruplet theme uh, playing with its percussion. Halo, of course, being not only a very uh, important game in gaming history, but also uh, having a soundtrack that is much beloved by its fans. I've never been huge into the Halo series. I've appreciated a little bit of shooting every once in a while, but I've only played a couple of them. Um, uh, it's always something I'm meaning to go back to. It's not not that I dislike the series. It's just not something I've ever invested the time into. But I know that it is a favorite among many of our team, especially. And so I wanted to include something from Halo, and this ended up working out really well. I like this song because it uh, it has this real interesting like tribal energy to it, which is so different from the from that main uh title screen theme, which is probably the most famous piece of Halo music, that kind of droning choir, male choir chanting <laughs> type of song. Um they, they both share a lot of similar musical motifs, um, but it's very a beat but it's not like action movie music which I think is what I like about it it's a little bit more reserved and a little bit more kind of cool and self-assured in that way so let's listen to the truth and reconciliation suite I'm Martin O'Donnell from Hello. next transition is one that uh, I'm, I'm okay with. It's not my proudest work. <laughs> uh, it is a, a note match. And so you get the um, extension of that note. But the Halo song was so busy with percussion. And this next track that it fades into is so kind of quiet and absent of percussion of any kind that it's hard to not hear the Halo song It's kind of fading out in the background. I I like when it's a little bit smoother. Like it's almost like the orchestra changed its mind as to what it was going to be playing mid-note. But um, yeah, you know, but it's still, it's a note match. It works well enough and it's a nice kind of mood change as well. Uh, This is another very famous piece of music. This is the theme from Firelink Shrine from the original Dark Souls this is composed by Matoy Sakuraba, and this piece of music is uh, beloved amongst Dark Souls fans uh, because Firelink Shrine was really your one safe space in this uh, kind of crazy, messed up world that you know of danger that constantly surrounded you, of high stakes battles and unknown beasts around every corner. You know, it was always really rewarding whenever a uh, a path would loop its way back to firelink shrine and you just got that moment to breathe you got those additional estus flasks at the firelink shrine bonfire you got to catch up with the other characters and it was just a place of safety uh, they do kind of subvert this later on in the game about halfway through the game potentially <laughs> unless you really know what you're doing uh, but even that subversion this song fits that as well, because the song is, is comforting, but also really mournful. You know, it's a place where you are witnessing the, basically the death of the world. And it's somewhere where you feel safe enough to cry. You know what I mean? Or it's like, if you're in danger, you just got to keep moving until you get out of danger. And then you look back on it And it's in those quiet moments where everything really hits you, how much that you've lost and how much can never be really recovered. So I think that's what this piece of music does especially well. It communicates so much about the game's tone, and it always really kind of leaves my heart heavy listening to it. Uh, The equally great, okay, uh, probably actually much better song from uh, Dark Souls 2 and that is not to put down the Firelink Shrines theme. That is to say that the Majula theme in Dark Souls 2 is a brilliant composition. I can say uh, only good things about. Uh, but uh, it, it also plays to a very kind of similar feeling uh, of of mournfulness and unease, but still a comforting familiarity and a comforting place to be to hang your hat, so to speak. So let's listen to the theme from Firelink Shrine. I'm Dark Souls. Next in the mix is another note match. This is the theme song from the Mortal Kombat movies. I'm not sure if this song ever made its way into any of the Mortal Kombat games because I'm not all that familiar with the Mortal Kombat games. I'm not a huge fan of the general aesthetic, and I haven't played very many of them except for the most recent ones, and then I've dabbled with the old ones. But this song is very famous, is very well known. It's very catchy as well. It has a real, uh, real fun, real infectious energy to it. It's hard to not like this song. This was made by the Immortals for the Mortal Kombat movie back in 1993, unless I am terribly mistaken, and it came from one of the games. Who knows? I have neither seen the movies or played most of the games, but I know it's Mortal Kombat. So, let's just uh, let's listen to some Mortal Kombat. On the last track in the mix. And this is one that stumped a lot of people when we were holding this uh, kind of musical quiz on the Kanermints.com forum. Uh, but before we listen to that last one, I would like to invite everyone along to the slash forum. Is that the way to, to the slash You know what? You know what I mean. We're all having a great big party there. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Every week there's intelligent discussion that takes place around all topics gaming. Uh, Everyone is very polite. Everyone's very friendly, uh, very accepting of uh, all sorts of different ideas about games. We just love talking about it. And we would invite you to join. There on the Kinnemence forum, you can request music in the Sound of Play threads to feature on future episodes, usually On uh, every Sound of Play, there's not like a special episode, like this one's a little special, Um, but on on most of our regular Sound of Plays, anyways, we like to feature a number of contributions from the community as well, because it's not just about what we like, it's about what you like as well. Uh, So you can request those on the CaneandRinse.com forum, or you can uh, pitch them to us over at CaneandRinse on Twitter, and we will play them on future Sounds of Play. Also, if I could pitch another personal project for myself, I am, along with Sound of Play previous guest from at least one or two shows in the past, Ryan Quintel, hosting a brand new podcast that's all about video games and storytelling and creativity in general. It's called Playwright, and it's about workshopping brand new, unique video game ideas, exploring the possibilities, the ins and outs of where it can go. And really digging in deep with what we can explore narratively and mechanically in the space of video games. It's, it's really interesting. We just uploaded our pilot episode and it's going to be a weekly show after that. And so, uh, you know, we are just barely, barely, barely starting out. And so we would be more than thrilled to have an audience at least give the show a try and uh, listen to it and see if it's for you. And if you like it, then that's wonderful. We accept community submissions on there as well for game ideas that we will workshop on uh, one per episode as well. So that is playwright, P-L-A-Y-W-R-I-T-E, is spelled like play, like you play a game, and a write, like you write a book. I know that there is a word playwright that is spelled differently, but it is a pun (laughs) based on the two things that we do in the podcast. I think you get it. You can find us at PlaywrightCast on Twitter or PlaywrightCast.com. We're still working on getting all the logistics in place, but I think by the time this episode goes live, we will have uh, at least our pilot in place and we will be very excited to take user submissions for future game ideas for us to explore. But anyways, enough of that self-promotion. Let's listen to this final piece of music. As I said, this is one that stumped a lot of people on the forum it's not the most famous song from the particular soundtrack that it's from, but I think it does a good job of putting a cap on the mix. and it uh, I really like the way it transitions out of the Mortal Kombat theme as well. it It ends when the Mortal Kombat theme is ramping up with this cacophonous percussion piece. and it, it itself opens with a cacophonous percussion beat, as well as having a note match. But this song is called The Prettiest Weed. It is composed by Jim Guthrie from Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery EP. And this is a song from the lovely Toronto, a city that I care about very much. I've written a number of uh, pieces on the main Cane and Rinse website about game designers in Toronto uh, when I was visiting a year or two back. But anyways, the the prettiest weed is just like the rest of that Super Brother soundtrack—a real, uh, real heavy hitting, really impactful piece. You know that that entire soundtrack, and especially the you know three or four songs that it opens with, just really—it it twists my soul in knots every time I listen to it. You know, something about the counter melodies and something about the power of its notes just really gets to me. And this song is absolutely no exception. It has some powerful percussion that just bangs away. And these really kind of odd, dissonant, uh, main kind of electronica synthesizer notes that play the lead part, it creates a very desperate sound, very emotional sound. And, you know, I think that's what Jim Guthrie, he's a genius. I, I really love his work. I think that's what he does best. So let's finish off by uh, kind of putting this this old theme song from sound of play to bed with the prettiest weed by jim guthrie from the super brothers sword and sorcery ep i've been ryan Heyman, and i will see you next week with our big sound of play 100 special (laughs) we've got a lot of songs lined up and a lot of uh, people on the show so i'll see you next week